0: First, I would like to dedicate this podcast to the parents, guardians, caretakers, educators, and healthcare workers, and all those out there that are standing strong in the often dark and lonely shadows of addiction. Today's podcast's title is Addiction in American Schools, presented to you by Dr. Anthony Hodgmahollis, the Executive Director of Westbridge Academy in New Jersey. Even within their own peer groups, addicted youth are commonly labeled. They're labeled as users, addicts, juice heads, and junkies. These words tend to really sting. Before we go further, I would also like to thank Ms. Sana Roos for coordinating today's topic, and also to you, the audience, for giving me this opportunity. I have worked predominantly with students of all ages races and backgrounds who struggle with stress and anxiety, students who try hard to fit in, who want to connect with adults but have a difficult time coping with stress, therefore are left unable to do it. Many students that I currently work with have faced trauma, unstable home life, and even poverty. Sadly, the students that I work with have a greater chance of dying early than just about any other student population. As of 2018, according to the CDC, nearly 3,000 opioid-related deaths occurred within the 0-24-year-old to age group in the United States. To put it in perspective, this is more than the 2,750 that perished at the World Trade Center in New York City on September 11th. This is more than the 2,500 who were killed at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii during World War II and more than the 2,100 Swedish World War II casualties combined. Yet the number of overdose deaths in the United States for those under 24 increases substantially at each census. So when does addiction typically begin? Well, we know that the trend is well before the age 18. Why does addiction typically begin? But what we have learned over the years is that lack is of the greatest responsibility here. Yes, the word L-A-C-K. Lack of affiliation, lack of communication with family particularly, lack of meaningful and downright fun activities. Key indicators, tobacco and marijuana smoking in the early developmental years. So if we know this, what can we do? Well, we have to look at examples from history. We can look at the American war on drugs and its criminalization and penalization models. We can look at the Portuguese. We could look at the United Kingdom, both that focused on rehabilitation and decriminalization. We can also look at Iceland, for example, who took a social psychological approach one that by no coincidence is in place at Westbridge Academy in New Jersey and has been successfully operating since 1973. First, we've got to foster total culture of caring. Yes, we can do that by bringing an attitude of positivity every day that we come into work. All school employees have one main job. Whether you're hired as a maintenance person, whether you're hired as a counselor or as an assistant, it's to bring positive experiences to our youth. We collectively control the school environment. So what we've done is set out to maximize the school experience in every way, shape or form. There's three main aspects of today's talk that can be applied in just about any school or any institution, even at home. First of all, focus on parent relationships or parent organizations. At Westbridge Academy, we have a program called Bridges to Home. It's organized by our school-based youth counseling teams with the goals of promoting drug and alcohol abstinence and promoting the amount of time that parents, guardians, and caregivers spend with our children. We encourage regular conversation, reading together, eating together, going to events together, and celebrating special occasions together. More time, better relationship. So we create opportunities at our school for parents to be recognized as the number one people that they are, the number one impact people in the lives of their children. We, secondly, promote the idea of being timely or being organized. Why does this matter here? Well, getting a good night's rest is critical if we're going to have a good next day, right? We talk about how in order to have a good day, it all starts with a good night. So we address sleep and sleep deprivation and deep sleep and quality sleep. We talk about the impact of blue light on sleep, our circadian rhythm, getting enough hours of sleep, etc. It it even leads us to discussion about when an appropriate bedtime should be for just about anybody. And that number or that time is actually about 10 p.m. at night, with the latest being about 10.30 p.m. Well, some, and you also, may call that a curfew culture. But it isn't. We know as um, school uh, workers, as psychologists, as counselors, as teachers, um, and, and those that support uh, education and, and child development, that there's an impact on stress and our abilities to cope, um, our cortisone levels in our brains, our internal harmony, right? And so our aim in doing so and talking about this idea of getting that right amount of sleep is to build the ability, ability to be ready to connect Thirdly, we promote activities, everything under the sun. We have creative time where we do just about anything together with random items, perhaps build something with a bunch of sticks, glue, and I'm not sure what other items we can find. And then we have more organized activities, activities that are more typical to a traditional physical education situation, right? So we have basketball and soccer. We have dodgeball and kickball paddle races, uh, paddle board races, I should say. Um, we also have a fitness center, uh, complete with treadmills, stairmasters, and other strength training equipment. Right, again, promoting the idea of self-confidence, of, uh, of pride, of success, right, and doing these sorts of things and being a part of playing an instrument, for example, learning how to read music, singing and dancing together, cornerstones of the approach. Um, field trips are big as well. So we go to local zoos and parks and go on nature trails together and entertainment centers. There's so much more. Um, and we know that the more we do in these areas, the ability to cope with stress and to forge those connections improves. Our students crave connections so much that they, that many, unfortunately, begin to do things like smoking at a very young age just to be part of a circle of others that have something in common. And the same goes with drugs and alcohol. We encourage an openness to ask questions and to share our ideas and thoughts freely. One feature of our school is a focus on bulletin boards. The minute you walk in, you'll immediately be taken by a vibrant, um, current, trendy, captivating, sometimes humorous bulletin board and they're all over the school building. And they're aimed um, into focus on the ideas that we're discussing today. The idea of connection building, of engagement, of self-care, and of family life. Well, we know that kids want to be kids, and we don't want to ever stifle that independence and curiosity. We want to give them more opportunities to do that. They want to have fun. They don't want to even, they want to do it in a way they don't realize that they're learning and that they're they're developing successful habits. Well, I hope you will be able to take a couple of these ideas back to your schools and your organizations, your homes, or even into your own minds and hearts. These ideas will lead our most vulnerable towards better decision-making and will, like in Iceland, dramatically curtail the unconscionable rate of death-related to overdose. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being a part of this mission and have a great day.